mention it. Yeah. So it was a little closer to Kevin's mouth. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, we're recording. Welcome to the Now That You Mentioned It podcast with Kevin and Dane. I'm Dane. And I'm Kevin. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> What's going on? So um, today we had the idea to talk about diss tracks. I don't know if we'll actually get around to that. Really? But, I mean, we can. Okay. I feel like I have a, I have sort of like a litany of just shit to throw out there. Okay. Some and there's like a spectrum of seriousness because I was going back and listening to you know our work, our our catalog. <laughs> right. The discog. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. See, now I got to I got to touch these you got to touch the knobs. I got to fidget with them a little bit. Um so one thing let's I want to get the 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 thing on the more serious end of the spectrum out of the way first. Okay. The first one is this is like a genuine thing because you sort of alluded to I forget which one episode we were talking about. Um but you said you were talking about racism on some level and you said a person might be bigoted but that's not racist. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a sort of common thought that I see uh, talked about a lot or just sort of, you know, given voice to that it's a mistake when we use the word racist to talk about someone's interpersonal beliefs. Right. That when actually we say racism, what is denoted is a system of racism. Now, I had just always sort of given a little pushback to that just because of the way we colloquially colloquially use the word racist. And so mm-hmm. I have never actually had someone – I haven't done my homework on it. I have never actually had someone break it down to me why that is the way we ought to use the word and where did that whole idea come from because I see this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like the whole – a person that – you're not – that's not race. That's not ra- actual racism. Racism actually means this shit. You said where does that come from? Where does that idea come from? Um I mean, it's a lot in like the critical race theory literature. Um, what critical race theory does is sort of like unpacks the systemic elements of racism, like what it actually, how it actually operates institutionally. And so, and it can't, it grew out of like legal scholarship, but you know, humanities and social science scholars, um, hold on. Social science and uh, humanity scholars use it as well, like, you know, sort of framework to talk about, you know, cultural production and things like that. So, but really what it is, is is like, you can be, for instance, you can be like bigoted. You could say, you know, I don't like niggers or whatever, right? Jesus Christ. No, you can say that. (laughs) You could, you know, that would be something that you would say and that would be. That would be reflective of your bigotry, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But in you saying say that in my sleep, I wake up and all right. But <laughs> but in you saying that, that doesn't necessarily bar someone from employment or uh, housing or you know shit like that. Structural shit. That's mm-hmm. that's what racism sort of operates on. <clears throat> like the the institution of racism, which is why people refer to it as that is you know multi-pronged so it comes at you from you know the police force from um housing redlining and you know employment practices and shit like that like that's racism because that at that point dictates how you live your life or yeah. how you are able to live your life right i i i've heard that argument rehearsed before are so is that are you saying that i, I guess i'm more interested in where the sort of the the bifurcation of these two two meanings of the word racism came from because i guess i more like from a more linguistic standpoint because yeah. i always thought are you are you saying there's sort of like this implied racism with a capital r and then there's just humdrum well i think that's how it's ended up being like i think because we, i always thought we all, we had words for what you just described systemic racism namely institutional racism Right, but that's because it it's had to be explicitly noted that this is what we're referring to because it has become a colloquial term, right? Like to be able to say like, oh, so-and-so's a racist, you know, people aren't necessarily thinking about it systemically. Mm. Although that's what the, the term itself is actually like academically is rooted in the systems, the institutions, and the structures around how, you know, anti-black uh, structural violence manifests, how anti-Latino and, and you know, anti-all that, right? Like, that's what racism as a theoretical framework and how we understand the world is sort of really implied or what how you're supposed to employ it <clears throat> versus, like, discussing somebody's interpersonal beliefs like you said earlier so are you hardline on the if you know i see fucking joe blow asshole white guy who Mm -hmm. does some racist shit and he's just you know he's not ceo well he does whatever uh but he's just says something that indicates that he harbors some kind of conscious, unconscious racial bias, or maybe it's even more explicit. Maybe he's upfront about thinking that certain races aren't as good as like the white race or whatever. Mm-hmm. Are you hardline on saying we sh- ought not describe that person as a racist? No. Okay. Okay. No. That's what I was getting at because I, I see this, this sort of drama happen a lot, like various, like instantiations of this drama where you have someone saying that, you know, that's not racist, this is really racist, and then other people come from a more commonsensical approach and be like, wait, that's not racist? I've always used this word racist to describe someone who's, you know, fucking racist. Yeah, but that's, again, yeah, but that's, so the fact that you sort of use the word colloquially, right, in, in order to describe interpersonal interactions, right, it's I guess I accept it because I just understand that's what pe- that's how people use the term. Now, 
I don't use the term like that. You've never heard me say so-and-so's racist yeah. unless that person has some type of power. It's a power dynamic that's involved in racism. If Joe Blow down the street says, you know, calls me the N-word and you make $20,000 a year, you can suck my dick. You know what I'm saying? You you have nothing to really... right. You because know. Was, yeah, because I think you're conceiving of a conceiving of it within that larger framework. But so this was sort of illuminating to me when I I looked up racism on my little you know Merriam Dictionary app mm-hmm. that I use a lot. The first definition is a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities, and that racial differences produce produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. The second one. A doctrine or political program based on the assumption of racism and designed to execute its principles. So, on board. But then when I look up the definition of racist, what comes up is just someone who thinks one race is superior to the Mm -hmm. other. So, okay. I mean, I don't really actually have an argument. I just was curious as to where you fall on the... Yeah, I mean, like... Again, like, if you're talking to somebody... In you know an academic setting, you're going to receive a lot of pushback on that because that's not how the word is employed academically. Right, but what? But that would be now I am in this arena. No, and and, right. and that's what I'm saying. But this is where ideas and knowledge is produced for the most part, or you know, in these spaces and yeah. shit. So that's not how the word is really used now. Among the you know general public, that's how people use it. So I accept it as such. Yeah. So when people say it, I know what you're talking. To, I know what you're talking about. I know you're not necessarily you know discussing larger structural issues as it pertains to this you know interpersonal interaction. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk. Let's talk about the fucking <laughs> Zuckerberg. Oh, this is the this is the highlight of my day actually. I didn't. I only watched little the the tidbits well, of. Yeah, me too. I mean, I I, I didn't watch the entire grilling. Like five yeah, it's five hours. hours. Yeah. yeah, I'm not watching that. I'm not that much of a political junkie. But Zuckerberg is so egregiously trashed to the point where there's no facade anymore. I feel like he doesn't even try to be duplicitous or hide what he's up to. Like, I feel like, was it AOC who asked basically point blank, very bluntly, so you're gonna, you're basically gonna be okay if someone pays to put up lies, political political ads that are lies, that's okay. And I, I don't really think he, he no. pivoted much. He was like, yeah, that's, that's basically what we're doing. Yeah. You know what? So, back, back when, um, the 2008 crash happened and the banks got bailed out. The idea or the sort of justification behind bailing out the banks that the Obama administration gave was that the banks were too big to fail. Mm. Facebook is essentially at that too big to fail stage. So at this point, Zuckerberg is just like, who gives a fuck? Above the law. Yeah. OD with it. Who gives a fuck? And it's just kind of like, I mean, this isn't like the, you know, the hearings in front of like the congressional committees, you know, aren't trials. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he's 
he's on trial. So it's like for him, he's like, okay, like I mean, what are you really gonna do? For the most part, that's kind of how he's approaching this shit. It's like, yeah. what are you really gonna do? Because he even like it's leaked audio of him saying um, why he doesn't want to warn uh, administration. He's like she would like ramp up the antitrust laws and shit like that and yeah, try to she, break what, up. What, yeah, she. What, isn't well, that's she her. That's her shit. She wants to yeah, break them up. Yeah, and that's her. Yeah, that's her shit. Um, and he's like, yeah, it, it, you know, I, I'd hate to have to sue my own government, but if I need to, and it's like we've we've allowed people to be like multi-billionaires to where like they have endless resources so like how can i mean what are you really going to do exactly it it's so clear that like the emergence of this ridiculous ruling class that determines so much about it's an oligarchy it's insane like facebook right now and this relates back to our conspiracies conspiracy theory shit but this isn't a conspiracy theory. It's real. Right now, it's Facebook a, it's is a conspiracy. Is a conspiracy <laughs> is collecting data on all everybody. Of us. <laughs> and you know, I used to be, I yeah, I used to be sort of naive about it, where I was like, you know what, I don't, I don't really fucking care. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. How, how is it gonna affect my day to day life? But even though it doesn't really affect my day to day life, I think it's so. Now I've been. I've gotten hip to ha- just just how fucked up it is. Like the the bulk bulk data collection. Right. I- and this and what's crazy is like everybody would would say like how does Facebook make its money? And it's like wait. Off you. Exactly. Like you're the you're what's being sold. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> and it's like it's um it's not your data that's being sold. You are being sold. And I'm so like – it's so clear with this ruling class shit like you were saying with the oligarchy. It's – it's now we're getting double fucked because like we do all the work and they make all the money. Right. So it's like it's like the it's like the fucking self checkout. It's like yeah, you're gonna check yourself out, do the work of getting the groceries. You check it out. You give me the fucking money. There's like a Bill Burr Bill Burr joke about that shit. Like you come into my store, you pay me, you get the fuck out of it. You do the work, you get the fuck out of the store. It's like what is <laughs> is nuts. It was so. What's even crazier is like people, the masses of people don't really look at it like they have power in in that dynamic. Like. You're the ones working. You're the ones buying this shit. Like, it's on. It's a handful of you know billionaires in relation to the total population. It's a handful of them. They aren't fucking sitting up here selling this shit to themselves. They aren't making money off of each other in that way. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. And not to mention that fucking uh, Zuckerberg has the worst haircut. In the history of haircuts, so I saw I, I saw a meme that was a picture of the Zuckerberg. Uh, what's that place called down this M- M- Madame Tuss- Tussauds? Tuss- 
the, the wax figurine museum, Madam's. Oh, thing. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Whatever yeah. that. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not just in New York. It, they're fucking everywhere. But yeah. there was a side-by-side comparison of the of the Zuckerberg wax figurine and then Zuckerberg at the hearing. Mm-hmm. And you really, I was like, which one is which? And then the Aww. caption was like, how does the how does the wax figurine look more lifelike than the actual one? And then it became clear that the wax figurine had like human emotions right. and like facial cues and shit. And the dude and Zuckerberg at the hearing is just with his wild haircut, just like sitting there bleary eyed with a dead stare. He's got too much money. <laughs> but what also is so infuriating is this, the whole, the, the, the facade or veneer, whatever you want to call it, that Facebook is has improved the world or that was the reason d'etre behind Facebook to make the world a better place. It's like we can see qualitatively and quantitatively that Facebook has in fact made the world much fucking worse. <laughs> so, so like Right. Right. And that's but that's the like that's the issue with like things getting to the point where they can become too big to fail because in the same way that like these banks are like predatory like how are you like dishing out old ass predatory home loans like knowing these motherfuckers can't pay for this shit because they can (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's just like because you can the the fact that you make so much money and you have so much power within this political system you get to do whatever the fuck you want to. And it's just playing out with, like, looking at Zuckerberg, I thought about, like, Alan Greenspan, who was, like, head of the Federal, uh, head of the Federal Reserve during, like, the crash and all of that shit. And here you have, like, people going fucking homeless and all types of shit, and he's just sitting there like, yeah, you know. Right. And it's just like he's like, oh, that that's crazy. Like fuck. So when I saw when I saw Zuckerberg, I thought about that too. Like we're back in the same shit. It's just and you know what is also the, with the the snippets I saw from the hearing. It's like when he was getting grilled on stuff about uh, targeting certain demographics based on data acquired via Facebook without, you know, with or without user consent, whatever, because really you're not consenting even if you actually consent to that, all that long-winded legalese shit. It's like, who really knows what that is anyways? Mm -hmm. But I think AOC asked him a question like, so could I pay to target like a black subset of users and tell them faulty information about when the voting date is? And he was basically like, he had this whole like non mea culpa, like yeah, maybe I don't know, like that's just how the system, is. like who yeah. the fuck knows, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like no, you like, and and then like I think she also mentioned something about like the like a Breitbart, like Breitbart being one of the fact checkers, like being a verified fact checker for Facebook. So it's like you have a right wing white supremacist publication and you're like yeah y'all can fucking y'all can y'all can fact check this shit like what (laughs) yeah god it's so infuriating and then he like blamed that shit on like oh we we go it goes through like a third party you know some shit like that and so it's like 
So when some shit like this slips through the cracks, you don't say, eh, maybe we need another third party or, or anything. You're just like, nah, we're going to rock with Breitbart fact-checking shit for the last year or so. Yeah, you know what I, what I always think of is how people say that when, when Sandy Hook happened, the shooting in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and the three- and five-year-olds were fucking killed to take an insanely dark turn. But like I've heard people say, if we weren't going to pass gun reform at that point, it's never going to fucking happen. Like we kind of we kind of jumped the shark. And to me it's like there's so much evidence that Facebook is now it's it's reached this absurd point where it's kind of the point of no return where I forget where it was specifically but you know Facebook has been has led to or been complicit in I'm not sure what verbiage you want to use but like like acts of like Mass violence on groups of ethnic people. I think it was like it's somewhere in Indonesia or something. Like violence, like Christians perpetrated violence against Muslims per- perpetrated by Christians in, in like some Pacific country. I forget fucking where it was, but like Facebook was the platform on which all of this shit was coordinated. Mm-hmm. And it's like you have mm-hmm. like what other <laughs> what other evidence do you need than like ethnic cleansing is being perpetrated on a social media platform that like maybe we should rein this in and then that touched on what AOC was saying where she was like so you have people that monitor for like nasty ass content like that but you you don't pay them full time they get like seven minutes of like a supervised break and they get PTSD because of the fucked up shit they have to see you saw that and it's like so that threat in hierarchy of concerns that should be number one but it's like you have these you have like 500 employees in a back room doing this off the cuff work Facebook is trash I hate Facebook yeah Facebook is is the devil it's the new devil yeah (laughs) I'm a conspiracy theorist with all with Anything Facebook? Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't put anything past that. And not because I think Zuckerberg like conspired to, you know, wanna make the world worse or cause give a No, it's just, it's a it's a byproduct of making that much money. Yeah. Like once you once these like companies are in the business of, you know, once you like fully go corporate, like you can have an idea and, and whatever, but once it's like it's an actual corporation the the fucking coding of the corporation is maximize profit. Yeah. And so when you have something like this that's so invasive at, at a moment when data and information is just like that's the new gold rush essentially. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Like cats are getting like spammed with info, recorded, like all types of shit as a result of like Oh, we didn't know that the camera stayed on or we didn't, uh, you know, like the shit is crazy. Everything about us is stored somewhere. Yeah. And now, and you know, I was fucking um, reading a piece on Edward Snowden and what he has a new book coming Mm -hmm. out. Oh, it's already out. It's already out. Okay. Uh, My bad. The memoir. What's it called? It's a memoir. I forgot what it's called, but yeah. Um, And... He was saying something that was just so profound to me where he said back in the day when – even when you and I were growing up, or when, mm-hmm. he, when he was growing up, you know, you go through a bad breakup or you go through the death of a loved one or something and you have a network of support. You go to a specific bar. You 
do something specific and that was your life and that was sort of imbued with this kind of like I don't know like it was sort of sacred right now you go through a bad breakup cats know about it because of the the phone history the text history you know what people's behavior is more likely to be after a fucking breakup. So where do, where do, where do the cats – where do the majority of cats go? Do the majority of cats like sign up for a gym membership after a bad breakup? Oh, so we can sell that data to motherfucking crunch. Like it's like everything is now – there's no human element left. It's all data. It's it is. all it's data. Li- yeah, it is. It's literally all data and it's like – And that was like holy shit like, like wow. No, like it's – forgot what it, she has a book I, she, I think she's a professor I'm not even gonna say because I, I don't know exactly but she has a book out called um, Surveillance Capitalism mm. and it literally goes into like all of this shit with like big data and then how that sort of exported to the you know intelligence community into private uh, surveillance companies private information like big data storing company like it's crazy, like how far this shit is, and, and the crazy shit about it is just like how it's happening right now. And cats would like if you broke that shit down to them, cats would like swear it's a conspiracy theory, like yeah. with how like elaborate this you know this information age is with like how cats are like able to you know essentially pirate data from people, you know, like they're essentially like data barons. <laughs> yeah, they are data barons. Shit. Yeah, but it, and then it's like, what do you do? Do I not go to the a million co- like coffee shops a day to get my insane amount of caffeine, and then they know that I go to Starbucks yeah. all the time, and then they sell that should, data to? Do you go to Starbucks? I go to, no, I don't go okay. to Starbucks. Good, but yeah, I was about to. Really Starbucks is gross coffee. Charbucks. <laughs> it all tastes. Yeah, it all tastes burnt. Yeah, it's chemically and burned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's still cats in there, no matter what. Oh, no matter what. I don't get it. Because it's the idea of Starbucks. I think people fuck with. Really? I think people think that like drinking Starbucks is still cool. Huh? Yeah. I like dead ass. Like because I think so. Like the, there's no like nice. No, I've never been in a Starbucks, especially in the city, that has like a nice ambiance. They're all, but there's, there's still cats in there. Like it's it's loud. It's like if it's like. It's loud. It's crowded. It's like kind of dirty all the time. But like cats are still in there, posted up on their laptops. Yeah, they have the idea of Starbucks already sort of ingrained. Can you do work in public? Like, could yeah. you go to? I can't. Yeah. You can't. No, I, I like do. sometimes I have to because when I'm at home, I can't. Like sometimes I have writer's block or some shit like that, and I'm like, fuck, I gotta get up out of here. Like, so, but I guess coffee shop because I can go to the library. I study in... Yeah, no, I can I go to the coffee shop. I write a lot at the library, but yeah, coffee yeah. shop, I can't. I need quiet. I go to... I go sometimes to uh, Double Dutch over on... Um, fuck, where is that shit at? It's like between like 119th and 120th. It's a coffee shop? Yep. Hmm. I think it's on like... It might be on uh, Frederick Douglass. I think so. Yeah. Mm. Pretty dope. And then, like, I'm I'm able to, like, it's, like, like rarely, like, loud. You know, people are in there and, you know, they're conversing and shit yeah. like that. But it's never, like, disruptive. Okay. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I can never, I can never 
be like a coffee shop. Yeah. Not because of any aesthetic concern, but just because my brain, I need, I need, like, I can't. Can you study with music? Write with music. Read with Jazz. music. I can't. Ah, I need, I need quiet. Otherwise, my brain doesn't doesn't seem to work. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It might be a defect. Yeah, I'm just playing. <laughs> All right. Transition God. Kevin Durant has no right to say that the Knicks lack cool credibility or whatever the fuck he said. You, Kevin Durant, you're not from New York. Mm-hmm. You just joined a squad that until a couple years ago was the New Jersey Nets. Mm-hmm. And you're not even playing the first year, and you're doing this like weird press run. I don't know why. <laughs> because Kevin he's not Durant playing. <laughs> has no fucking right, like, to say that the Nets are cooler than the Knicks, or that like it's a Nets town now. He needs to. S- <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Are I don't know if he if he was pandering to get clicks or like, but I, you know what he's. Yeah, I bet he genuinely believes. Oh, that. Well, of course he does. No, I, I was. That's so. trash. Like I would, I would so. never. Wait, wait, Kevin, Kevin Durant is from DC, right? Yeah, the DMV area, I think. So, like the audacity to just okay, now I live in the city. I play for this team. Um, now I claim like to know about the the cultural nuances of like team allegiance and shit like that. Like, get the fuck out of here. So, are the Knicks still? Cool. I don't. <laughs> but see, it's complicated. It's complicated. Okay. <laughs> because I mean, cool. Like, define define cool. Like, I have always been the type of Knicks fan to trash the Knicks for trash James Dolan. I hate going to the Garden, and you know, like I remember, I remember I went to a Knicks game a couple of years ago, and they're playing the Warriors. And the majority of fans in there were Warriors fans or like they were tourists or whatever. And it's like that's infuriating because as someone who's a Knicks fan, like a real Knicks fan, it's like what's going on here? So there, there is that element of their sort of this Big Apple-ified, kitschy New York – like they're like the Yankees. They're the Big Apple. They're fucking Times Square. But there's another level where if you grew up – like a New York sports fan, you were a Knicks fan. Okay, yeah. So what the fuck are you talking about, Kevin Durant? You can't, it's not, it's not just like, I declare the Nets well, cool. I th- also, he's I think, one of those uncool NBA players. I think what he, when he was talking, I don't think he was talking about the fans per se in regard to nobody thinks the Knicks are cool anymore. I think he was talking about the players. Why players don't want to play for the Knicks? Why like free agents don't choose to play for the Knicks or whatever anymore? Mm. Um, and you probably just have to blame that shit on Dolan in terms of like you know I'm sure you know cats would want to play for for the Knicks if ownership and management was different. Yeah. You know. Oh, for um, sure. And so I think that's what he was really talking about. Like the the fandom part is like, come on, man! Like that shit's not going anywhere for like real New Yorkers. Like y'all fuck with 
the Knicks, and that's just what it is. Like, I don't think, even when the Nets moved to Brooklyn, it wasn't on some shit where it was like you had cats who were from Brooklyn who are now like, oh, I'm a Nets yeah. fan. Like, no, they still fuck with the Knicks. Yeah. So, I mean, because it's kind of like that, I, even though I'm not home, I see it happening back home now because it's like, oh, the Clippers are good and they got Kawhi and Paul George and, you know, all of that shit. And I hate the Lakers. Mm. I absolutely despise the Lakers. However, L.A. is a fucking Laker town. Yeah, that's undeniable. It's no way that anything that the Clippers would ever do would, you know, would be able to change that. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, the, the Nets might win a championship before the Knicks. But that's not going to change, you know, the city's affinity toward the Knicks, the fans. Now, players, yeah, players are like, fuck it. I'm not fucking with James Dolan. Plus, we're in, like, a like a, a prolonged talent <laughs> slash, like, we're, like, in a drought. Like, when we oh, have been yeah. for a long time. So, like... Knicks basketball is not popping, and it's, I mean, it's bubbling. You got a young core. I haven't been to the finals in 20 years. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, like, the Nets made Overdue. these flashy free agency signings. So, like, it's fucking easy to be like, yeah, the Nets are the team. Like, we're it in New York. But it's like, no, Kevin Durant, you're clueless. Yeah, yeah. To say that, to say that from, like, like I said, from a fan, from a fan's perspective, I think is a bit much. But I think he can speak to players, to superstar free agent players, saying, like, the Knicks don't hold the same sort of, you know, relevance for us at this point. Yeah. You know, and clearly that's true. Yeah. So, shout out to KD. You (laughs) friend of the show. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are not a friend of the show. For the longest time, Kevin wanted to do a diatribe on why KD is the worst NBA superstar in history. But is that gone? What would happen? Shout out to KD, man. Oh. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no, KD is still the worst. Well, well, all right. Maybe how about we, speaking of shout outs. Oh, yeah. We have to like double back to our original shit. Shout out to AOC. The glasses. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> so when she was running and everything and like all that, I was like, yeah, she's cute. But she's like, she's gotten the the congressional hairstylist. You know what I'm saying? She's got the glasses popping now, and it's just like, yeah, yeah I'm 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 digging AOC, and I fuck with her policy. <laughs> if you know what I mean, I, I like your policy. Proposals. I like your policy proposals, nah. AOC. That Green New Deal. Yeah, yeah. The the glasses and the blazers. I know it's fire. Yo, that's hilarious. We were thinking the same thing at the same time as we watched the yes. Zuckerberg deposition. The, the Zuck. The Zuckster. Ah, yeah. Shout yeah. out to AOC. Yeah, shout out to AOC. Maybe we could land the AOC interview. Huh. I've seen AOC's um partner. Yeah. I think I can think i can steal her mm. yeah all right well this is this will mark the beginning of a long of the long game a, a long process of collusion and conniving right. to yeah right all right to break up a happy home <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I want that to be our brand. We just fuck up people's relationships. I know. <laughs> um. All right. So yeah, we'll take a break and come back and talk some more bullshit and talk about diss tracks. Maybe. Maybe. Damn, did you forget? I was going to hit him with welcome back from break, but I was like, they weren't on break. We were on break. Mm. So welcome back to the Now That You Mentioned It podcast. Um, Fuck with us on social media, please. Wait, so then are we welcoming ourselves back since they weren't on break? Well, they, well, this is, (laughs) theoretically, this is kind of crazy because... We were on break. No right. one's on break yet. Right. This is we're talking to a projected future audience. Right. So they were, they will have just been on break, listening to yeah. a little interlude. Right. Right. Yeah. You're um, right. You're right. Brought to you by our audio engineer Chris Giuliano. Yeah. Based Shout out, out of Los Chris. Angeles, California. He makes he oh he gave us a new pack of beats for the interludes, Word. which are increasingly fire. Mm. Yeah. Shout out to Chris. Um. Yeah, okay, so welcome back. Fuck with us on social media, at NTYMIPod. Yeah. Yeah, all that, all that. All that. Um, Suggest episodes. That would be fire. I know. I would love for that to happen somehow. I'm sick of cranking these out. I'm sick of being so consistently brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so we're here to talk about diss tracks. Okay. And I believe the prompt was... What really makes a diss track good? Yeah. In my... I I went through a phase where I was really into battle rap. Mm-hmm. Which I consider to be a separate sort of sphere. As in, the rules that dictate what is good slash successful battle rap may not necessarily be applicable to what is good rap music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, hip hop, yeah. music in general. Yeah, um, but you know, as far as like getting really deep into the lore of all the various like classic diss tracks, I was never one who was so obsessed with that because that was something that since I was born in 1991, mm-hmm. I would have really had to. I didn't truly live through the Nas J thing in that way because what I would have been nine years old. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite like plugged into that whole, you know, nine year old Dane wasn't like, oh shit. And that's the Jay Z just showed that picture of Prodigy when he was like in a ballerina costume yeah. or whatever. Like, so that is, I guess, my disclaimer 
on this one, it's like that's something where you, if you're really interested in it, you would have had to – I would have had to have gone back and really dug into all the context and the homework, which I'm obviously familiar with Ether, TakeOver, yeah. Hit em Up, The Bitch and You, all, all, all the classic, No Vaseline, right. all, all – like I'm familiar with them. I know the songs, but as far as like really getting into the nitty-gritty of the timeline and all that shit, that's not my area of expertise as far as like in terms of being a hip-hop fan. Hmm. You know, I can say I lived through it. I'm just a year older than yeah. than you are, but I had the luxury of having older siblings who hmm. were markedly older than I am. So, like, my oldest brother is ten years older than me. My other brother is nine, so it's like, well, nine years older. Um, so when a lot of that shit happened, so when a lot of that shit happened. Um, I'm a little kid up under my, you know, up under my big brothers listening to what they're listening to and like they're trying to explain shit and everything. And so it's like growing up I had the, you know, I had a gist, I had the gist of like what happened. So when for me when I went back and like check shit out, it was sort of like, you know, you know, something sort of jogged my memory mm. essentially like, "Oh, I remember, you know." But that's just, that's just based primarily on like the age difference and how I, you know, had that luxury as opposed to you. You're the oldest, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that that precludes me from having an opinion on what I think makes a, a diss track good. No. Um, but, I, but yeah, that's, my disclaimer is that I'm coming at it from a somewhat limited, mm-hmm. somewhat limited angle. Um, well, what... Let's just get into it. What do you think is the is the variable or factor that makes a diss track successful or unsuccessful? Mm. And like, what is that spectrum of success? Like, what are we actually measuring? Yeah. Um, so I think like, <clears throat> I think going back to like what you said about battle rap, I think essentially like the diss track is the sort of commercial raps, you know, battle stage right like it it sort of you know fills in that that gap like cats aren't you know no longer in the park or you know or even in the battle rap scene face to face doing the shit so that's the equivalent of it but it's still in the essence of that just me and you you know almost like I kind of take it back to like even like playing the dozens like you're sitting up it's a group of friends, y'all, you know, all around in a circle. And it's like, look, I'm going to shoot on you. You know, whatever gets the reaction. It doesn't have to, you know, not necessarily, doesn't necessarily have to be true. Doesn't, you know, necessarily have to, you know, make all the sense in the world. <laughs> right. It, if it's funny or if it makes them like, oh, or any, any type of reaction like that, <clears throat> I think is like what you're going for when when you go into the diss track, like you're going for that reaction. Like you're, you're hoping that whatever the fuck you say is going to leave cats biting their lip. Like, yo, like he just said, whatever, whatever. I think that is, were you making a a distinction between battle rap and the diss track commercially there? Because I think that all of that holds true for battle rap where, I don't want to say it's less about the substance. Maybe it is. It's more about the style of who can. Yeah, the, well, re- the battle rap shit is theatrics. 
like you're performing your lyrics in a way like literally performing them like how cats are performing the uh the sound effects and in all the shit that they do and so but i guess what i was saying was the essence of that that is battle rap the essence of that is for me in a good diss track is that like battle element of like i'm just coming at your neck like i think when we look at battle rap, I mean, when we look at diss tracks today, like cats are like trying to make a song. They want a a, a song right. that's gonna just play, you know, take that Drake philosophy. Like I'm just gonna dish you on a song that's gonna play in the club, you know, over and over and over again. Whereas Ether was like, I'm just coming at your fucking neck. Right. So I think there's a couple things, a couple things with what you just said there. So one is that I think. Two things hold true in battle in battle rap, where in battle rap, if you can come up with a really, really if fucking why can't I think of it? Fucking Murder Mook says some really, really slick, clever, inventive line or sequence, the reaction is gonna be determined by not just how brutal it was to his opponent it's also going to be determined by how slick clever and aesthetically like how it has aesthetic merit within that genre of battle rap so battle rap fans will be like oh wait he just said what like there is the element of wow that was insanely disrespectful which will get that like hand over the mouth reaction but in battle rap you'll also get that from the artistic side of Right. I don't know that in commercial diss tracks it's the same the same the same standards as far as the artistic apply mm. or go into determining what an effective diss track is as the way I conceive it because I'm conceiving of an effective diss track as not necessarily the one that's going to get like the the what well, he just said what and how did he say it but more the the real world consequences that a diss track can impart on the the object the the object of the diss track wait so with Jay-Z what was the when he released takeover he was at it wasn't i don't think they had rocked the belt where was he was that what, what summer jam it was summer jam <laughs> and when he played that track he put up the picture of prodigy in the Mm-hmm. In the ballerina outfit. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I'm not a Mob Deep scholar, but a lot of people point to that sort of taking a a significant toll on Prodigy's career mm-hmm. because, like, his whole image that was a, a definite divot, a, like a like tarnished moment in his career. Right. <laughs> and so, to me, that is what makes a diss track in the commercial realm effective. You fucked up this dude's brand image. Yeah, like I, I so it's I think, less about oh he said what and how did he say it? Wow, that was disrespectful. It's more look what I'm exposing about you. Yeah, and that's part of I guess like I don't think we're disagreeing. Okay. Um that's part of like I I think the commercial diss track is still it's still a song. It's still uh you still are crafting a song. So it's still a piece of art. What I'm saying is the best battle rap, the best diss tracks take that theatricality 
that lyrical ability and then you magnify that based on what I can do, you know, to you financially, culturally, whatever the fuck with it, you know, once I drop it. So it's like the fact that like with, you know, with Ether, for instance, or no, I want I'll, I'll go to, you know, a more esoteric diss track. Freddie Gibbs. Real. real. Yeah. You can't tell me that that's not just one of the dopest hip hop songs. And was crafted as just a dope ass mm. hip hop song. Take take Jeezy out of the shit. Take the fact that he's dissing Jeezy out of the yeah. shit. That's a fucking banger. Of course. And so, but what makes it a dope diss track is not that it's just a dope ass song, but then it's like he's lyrically annihilating this cat, and it also allowed people, you know, at least followed it to look at Jeezy in a different way because it's like, here's somebody who is from the inside. So it, it tarnishes your credibility for real hip hop fans in that sense. Right. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're really disagreeing. I, I don't, I don't think we're disagreeing. So I would clarify my stance by saying that I don't think that, um, it, you just measure the impact in a vacuum without the aesthetic side of it. So in other words, I don't think that, Jay-Z would have damaged Prodigy's career had he just put out the image of Prodigy in a ballerina outfit without a fucking song to accompany it. Right. I think it's sort of a marriage between the two, but when you talk about Freddie Gibbs real, the fact that Freddie Gibbs was in a position to give that insider's expose on Jeezy and present this huge disparity between the projected persona of Jeezy and the flesh and blood Jeezy, Mm -hmm. that's what makes it, that's what gives it that real life damaging Mm -hmm. element. If he was just, if he wasn't in that position, but for whatever reason was still going at Jeezy, but it wouldn't have landed. It wouldn't have, and he could have been as inventive lyrically. No, yeah. The marriage of the content with the. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm just saying, when I brought when I brought up the battle rap thing, I'm saying the essence of that is to elicit a reaction out of people. Like it's not even even you saying like, damn, what did he say? Like having to go back and double back and listen to it again or some shit like that. That's a reaction. Like you're you're trying to elicit some type of reaction out of the listener. And so that's just one element. We just had to pick up our uh, delivery. <laughs> we ordered some some sushi. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to the sushi. Yeah, me too. I'm pretty hungry. Um, okay, so my thing was marriage of content and style equals effective diss track. Um, but, huh. Okay, what makes a track, should we do the the top? Like what's your, what is to you is the most devastating or most effective one? Mm, I guess like the most the most devastating <laughs> I think it might be too early but the most devastating could be Pusha T yeah that could be the most devastating like I totally agree yeah like and I the the reason that I'm like hesitant is is like hit him up it was a lot of shit that transpired as a result of hit 'em up. You know what I'm saying? Like lives were lost. 
<laughs> as yep. a result, essentially, of hit him up. And so that's where I'm like, I really that's that's the most devastating because of of the loss of life. Yeah. But in terms of like just keeping this shit on wax, I don't think anything has like really hit like that. But that's also a byproduct of social media and the fact that shit can be shared in, in a certain type of way now that allows like me to like drop the cover art before I drop the track and it's like yo what yeah. the fuck you know then you drop the shit and you drop the bombshells in the yeah you know in the shit so it's like a lot like the reason that pushes shit hit so hard was like social media propelled that to like another level just based on the fact that people could share that right. content like so that. I want to I want to take it one step back before we get in, because I want to get into the minutia of the push-up thing, mm-hmm. but to you, like, okay, so it, for me, it's clear, like, what criteria has um, primacy in terms of determining what makes a diss track effective, and that is less, I guess, the spec, it would be less of the aesthetic and more of the unsubtle, blunt Here's what it is. I fucked your bitch, you fat motherfucker. Style. These are the facts. And so to be Ooh, positioned in a certain way. That, so it's less about... Um, you can do all the... You're a bitch, suck my dick, fuck you, that you want in the most clever, crazy rhyme scheme, 16th note triplet, whatever you want to do. And it's not going to be as effective as... I fucked your bitch, you fat motherfucker. Bluntly, that no. I guess that. So, so in terms of the primacy of what factor, what variable is more is most important in a diss track? It's not that the aesthetic element is just irrelevant. I think mm. the the primacy is, or what does the bulk of the work is that bluntness, well, yeah, reality check style, yeah, presentation. Yeah, that's the point of it. Yeah, I mean that's the. What diss track was wasn't like that? Like that was a you know legit diss track that was aimed at somebody that wasn't blunt, straightforward. Uh, bitching you is like because it's common. It's like oh, so and so you need that context. Like look at like, but when he went at Drake. You know, he hit him with the with the Canada Dry line. You know, it's like he, you know, that's something direct, you know, directly at you or whatever. Um, yeah, I just think all dish like that's a prerequisite. Okay, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like I I gotta come at you on some foul shit, which is why like when people talked about like they thought warning was a diss, like he never, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just because or not warning, uh, who shot you when he when Biggie came out with who shot you. Or whatever, and they thought that that was a you know aimed at Pac because of the whole timeline and shit or whatever. And it's just like what, like yeah. how, you know, like he didn't say anything about the man. Yeah, hit him up. You know who the fuck hit him up is about. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you know who the fuck Ether is about. Like the the diss tracks that stick out, that stand out, they're very explicit about who their you know vitriol is aimed toward. Yeah, Ether. I feel like is the 
is the uh, I say it a lot, but like the platonic form of a diss track is ether. I, I feel. Oh like. yeah, because yeah. it's got every element, everything, and it just hit hits on that sort of this shit opens up with fuck Jay Z. Yeah, <laughs> like but so it has that that unsubtle factor, but that it's also getting into the psyche of like Jay Z. You always wanted to be me, and, and that you is, bro, like your relationship with Biggie, bro, like you, is, all this is shit. So with, that's the shit that makes ether. Like when he says like the ether, the shit that make your soul burn slow. It's like this isn't about like I fucked your bitch because super ugly from Jay Z. Yep. Was you know I left the condom on your baby seat or whatever. No, like, that was like they're vibrating on different frequencies. Right. That was like, like it's I'm like a, it's like the equivalent of like I'm attacking your money and like I'm a, Nas is over here like getting at the essence of your uh, being. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. damn. That's why it's called ether. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like. It's like Damn. So yeah, Ether is on. Anybody who says, anybody who says, oh, Takeover is is better than Ether or whatever, jump off a fucking bridge. Facts, because <laughs> because the art, like, I feel like there's so many like oft cited lines, but like again, it goes back to my thing about like you can say these petty little things till the fucking cows come home. It's not going to matter. Like, uh, the whole thing about, like, I took your line. I made What was it? I made it a... Oh, yeah. You, you made had a hot, hot line. line. I, I made, made it a hot, hot song. song. Like, again, first of all, it's like, okay, so you're just um, appealing totally to, like, the commercial success. Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Nas, clearly yeah. with Ether, like, Nas is on some other... On some other shit, man. Yeah. Like, I, I, that that pisses me off every time, like, I hear, like, well, you know, Takeover is a better song. Takeover... Fuck out of here. If it's a dish track, and as a dish track, it's not a better song than Ether. Yeah. Period. Like, so do you reject the the appeal to, well, Drake, or no, I'm taking out, let, let's not get into specific examples yet, but the the appeal to, well, it's a it, it was a hit song, so that's why the, yeah, fuck that. No, I, yeah. no, that's, that's trash. Yeah. That's a cop out. Like, and yeah, talk about Drake because that's a Drake phenomenon. Like, that's a byproduct of Drake. That shit is so weak because, well, for one, Meek dropped the ball. It, like, Meek could have or should have at least came with some real shit mm-hmm. coming back at him. But we won't even get back into all of that. Yeah. But um, but the whole, like, it's a hit. or It's, it's really a cop-out because it's like, for somebody like Drake, who you fucking breathe on the track, and it's a you know club banger, yeah, you know, and it's just kind of like that's you're not really getting in, you're not really engaged in in battle so much as like, and you saw that his first shit with with Common, he couldn't fuck around mm-hmm. and he disengaged, he he fell back. Yeah, same with Joe Budden. Same with Joe Budden, and then with the Pusha T shit, it was like you you had no choice. And, and it was just like it's it's not working for. What's me, crazy homie. to me is okay. Let's get into the Pusha T Drake thing. What's crazy to me is that there are people out there who still say that somehow Drake came out on top of that. And for for, for there to be any ambiguity about who was the clear winner of that whole thing is just makes my blood boil. Like for there, for, for it to be even be a question for there for, for there not to be a unanimous consensus on 
what happened. This is the thing. It's like it's like you know you can disagree about opinion, but you have to agree on the facts. It's like well, the facts are yeah. the fucking facts yeah. here. Yeah. Now this isn't subjective. No. This isn't subjective. Like bro came out with the fucking blackface. Okay, let's start with that. <laughs> Somehow unearthed this picture. Which to also like it's more than just the the surface level expose of Drake did some distasteful shit. It's like well, that, that speaks to a well that well that that picture speaks to a, a current of racial and social change disengagement that Drake is right, and it also but it also reflected Drake. As this pop culture phenomenon, like exactly, you at like you are literally a minstrel show performer. Like we have the evidence now, but but basically you are you are what you know whatever the pop culture version of a rapper is supposed to be, and you perform that identity, you know, on the track in public. So on and so forth. Yeah. The like the picture alone captured that. The picture alone captured that. And then the actual dish track. Yeah. And the just <laughs> complete disrespect that was displayed. <laughs> like he talked about your parents. He exposed that you had a kid by some uh bitch who did softcore porn. Um, and I don't even know. I don't know if it's been confirmed, but the whole like Drake was about to dude, drop the uh, Adidas shit w- around his son. Adidas. He fucked up. He fucked a up whole, whole bag. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like that's that's why when when you uh, said earlier about like the you know the devastation of a diss track, like you know what's the impact of it from that from that angle. That's why like the Pusha T shit. Outside of Pac and, and, and Biggie shit or whatever, the Pusha T shit like fucked up an entire brand. Mm-hmm. Like that's gotta get that has to get canonized as one of the yeah like, easy, like easily, easily he exposed that Drake had a son that he was keeping stashed away for his opportune. Moment, right? Is his it's monetarily like, right, opportune super, moment to bring it out? It's so like neoliberally, like just monetizing any and everything that you possibly can, and then just the optics, just like any any. Let's talk about the conspiracy theory, um, like truth tests. There's one of the truth tests where it was the unbiased observer, where if you just present the facts, anyone the optics of Drake having to come back with not another song. After story of Adidon, but with a press statement. Exactly. It's over at that point. Exactly. How can you how can you say he won? There are Drake, and I know they're Drake fans, and I'm a self-avowed huge push of T fan. He's one of my favorite mm-hmm. rappers mm-hmm. up there with Freddie Gibbs. Um <laughs> fanboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for for people to see it any other way, I'm just like, nah. Nah, yeah, no, it's, no, no. it's yeah. That's that's objective. Like that's objective. Ether is objective. Like I'd say real is objective. Real is ob- Oh yeah, but yeah. yeah, easily, easily. Um shit. 
no Vaseline was a fucking problem. <laughs> no Vaseline was a problem. Man. Um, one that's not talked about is Jada's diss toward 50 back in the day. The Jada diss is an, is a very underrated diss track. What's the, what song is that? Checkmate. It's called Checkmate. He he kind of took the Nas approach. Like, let me just go at you psychologically and yeah. just tear you down as a as a being. <sighs> yeah. That shit was that was cold. That one was cold. I'm trying to think of some more. I'm just off the top. Um I really didn't like Takeover. No, I don't like that song. Yeah. Yeah, that's why when people say that, like, it's, Takeover is the better song. No, it's not. Like That beat is grating. That. Yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah. I, that's not that's not one of my no. one of my favorites. Um, yo, the the last like little shit. Uh, Mace. Mace dissing Cameron. <laughs> that was pretty like the throwback yeah, beef. Yeah, yeah. That one was pretty fire. That 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 battle that battle was was pretty funny. Does um does Sheether deserve a spot? No. 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 <laughs> the reason why and it's not because like cuz Remy obviously like it it's almost like that was just unfair. Like if we're just talking about bar for bar, like Remy can rap. Remy is rapping against her husband at yeah. home. You know what I'm saying? Like, it. Nicki Minaj cannot fuck with Remy Ma, bar for bar. So the fight was unfair from the beginning, which is why it was just like, right? You like she kind of had to do it or whatever, but it was underwhelming because. People already knew what the outcome was gonna be. Yeah. Like Nikki tried to do that same like Drake shit. Oh, I'm I'm gonna make a club banger. Right. And didn't she come back with the song with, <laughs> with Drake and with Lil Drake Wayne? and Lil Wayne? Yeah. And it yeah. was just like, nah, that's not happening. No. So yeah. So I, I wouldn't put it up there just because it's just like that's that's a gimme. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Well yeah. that was a that was a pretty good conversation for some Yeah. Just off the top. Yeah. You have to do that more often. Yeah. Now nah, I'm about to go eat some sushi. Hell yeah. And watch the Astros hopefully beat the Nationals. Let's go, Nats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, last thing. Do you think these shoes are crazy? Crazy as in? Crazy as in, like, they don't look good. Like, I, like that's kind of crazy. That. Uh, They aren't my favorite. Okay. They're my favorite pair, but um, they aren't ugly, right? They're not that bad. No, they aren't. Uh, what's like? What size shoe do you wear? I wear uh, in Air Force Ones. I wear like an eleven, eleven and a half because they run big. But I'm like a twelve. Okay, I'm like a twelve. I mean, they look big. They look big <laughs> on me, but. But they aren't really ugly. When I saw what, them, like, I was like, because my my sh- I like I like muted colors. 
Bro, yeah. you make any any article of clothing, you make it like a sand color, I will buy that shit without even thinking about it. Sand, mm. olive, off-white, kind of mm. like eggshell white, bro, that is my fucking vibe. So I saw these and I was like... Yeah, they th- those do look eggnoggy. Yeah, yeah, bro. That's what it <laughs> yeah. is. A little like a little cardboard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah a little look, beige. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, they look kind of cool. They're not like they're like in between the the all white uptowns and the the fall the Timberland uptowns. Right, right. It's like a yeah. little in between. Yeah, I mean, they work. No, I I I, I can dig them. All right, all right. So um, yeah, stay tuned for. I'm trying to go on a run here, like in terms of the podcast, mm-hmm. to get some momentum going, type shit. Okay, yeah. All right. So thanks everyone, and uh, stay tuned for the next uh, episode of Yeah. Now check in. Check in with us next week, and start suggesting shit too. Right. Do that. All right.